who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Um, so because of the storms and weather, uh, internet here was not available this morning. So I had a couple things I was going to put up on the screen, but didn't access them. So I'm going to do my best to just paint a picture with my words this morning. Uh, have you ever received an email, uh, from somebody that you didn't know, some prince of Nairobi or some, somewhere out in the world? Hey, guess what? distant relative, you are the sole inheritor to the millions of dollars from my estate. Uh, Something along those lines, just totally outrageous. They happen all the time, uh, daily. There is a guy named James Veach. He made it his sole purpose to get back at those people, those scammers, the people who take up your precious time with their phone calls and emails and so he uh, put together this short video, and it's really, really funny. So if you want to look it up later, uh, James Veach is his name. Uh, you can just Google that, uh, James Veach scam email, something like that. Video should pop up. Um, he replies to these emails, right? So he gets this email one time. guy says, hello, urgent. You are the sole inheritor of the million dollars from my my estate. You are my inheritor. You've inherited this. He said, wow, you know, uh, that's incredible. So he starts having this whole conversation with him, like, I can't believe it, you know? And so he starts taking him down this road of, you know, well, how did this happen? And this whole big, long story of somebody's wife who had cancer and slipped in a bathtub and hit her head, and now we get their money, and it's just weird stuff, right? Um, all the way to the end of basically saying, uh, don't waste any more of my time. You're, you're horrible. Um, so, uh, he, he spends a lot of his time replying to these emails. And what's great about that specific story and that purpose is that it, it segues into what we're talking about today. Inheritance, right? Um, we don't really talk about the inheritance much anymore. It's not, um, as common a word, a, a piece of life that we share uh, like we used to. Um, you know, I, I don't know that we've ever had a conversation about, you know, what's my inheritance, you know? Um, because it's just not really something you talk about. You know, it's usually associated with death, right? Um, it's kind of where we get it from. And remember, you know, uh, you know, someone dies and then their kids or their spouse or their best friend, whoever they've got set up, inherits whatever that person had to leave behind. Uh, Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Um, But either way, they're inheriting it, right? Um, Death, I think, is probably the main cause that we don't really talk about anymore. Um, We don't really want to bring up the subject, right? Well, I'm going to die, so who's going to get my belongings or, or my fortune or my debt or whatever that is. Uh, and so it's uncomfortable and we don't talk about it. Um, but if you remember, it's not always death, right? Remember the prodigal son? Uh, he wanted his father's inheritance. Uh, his father was still around. And he said, okay, you can have your inheritance. And we all remember how that turned out for him. Um, and so an inheritance isn't always something 
that goes along with death, but primarily. And I think we're uncomfortable because we have a really short view of death. Um, especially as Christians, death for us should not be as intimidating or as um, detrimental as we sometimes make it out to be. Uh, remember Paul's famous words, right? For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Right? If I die, I'm, I'm better for it. I get to be with Jesus. I'm in heaven. I'm no, I'm no longer here in this world of sin. It, it's gone. It's in the past. And I get to be with Jesus forever. So to me, that's much better. But Paul knew he needed to stay because God had work for him to do. And if we could live that out in our lives, that mentality that Paul states to live my life, what I do every day, that is for Christ. And when I die, it's for gain. That's how we should live every day. As Christians, as believers who have professed our faith in Him, that sentiment is how we should live every day. With the confidence that comes from our inheritance. To realize that we have already obtained this inheritance. You can trust it. Because the one who gave it, is trustworthy. And he proves it to us daily. So I want to read our passage again. This is, um, let me scroll back up here, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. That's the, the passage that we're in. And if you want to look that up and mark it for later and, and, and study and read, Ephesians 1, 11 through 14. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the, uh, sorry, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. So what I want to do today is take those verses and I want to highlight some important words we find throughout it uh, and, and what that means for us today. So the first word I want to focus on is that word obtained. <clears throat> it's important to understand because it's in a tense, you know, the way that Paul is writing this. It, it's something that's already being possessed, which it was just a weird way to think about it, right? Um, the, the tense, it's like a, a present, past, and future tense all at the same time. In other words, you don't need to hope or wait for your inheritance from God because you already have obtained it. Now, you're not living in it yet, right? Because that's eternity with Jesus. So we're not there yet in time, but yet God has given it to us and it is ours and we have obtained it. But what is the it Paul's referring to, right? Inheritance. We talked about that earlier, but uh, you know, historically it's something that's given to someone else uh, from the person that passed away or decided they didn't want it anymore. And um, we know that an inheritance can be good a lot of times. And, and something to note about an inheritance, though, is when it's given... It is completely given. You, you don't receive an inheritance and then the other person still have claim to it. So, so to illustrate this a little bit, um, remind me your first name. Morgan. 
Morgan. Thank you, Morgan. Do you like candy or chocolate? You do? Okay, so I have something for you, Morgan. This is um, something that I, I purchased with my own 98 cents this morning <laughs> out of my bank account. I worked really hard for that money, but I want to give this to you as an inheritance. And so would you accept this candy bar from me that I bought and I'm giving to you? No, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a trick. It's real. I didn't open it. it. It's got a lot of, it's 220 calories if you're counting. But so I, but I really do. I want you to have it. You can have it. It's totally yours. Are you okay with that? I mean, it's free. It's chocolate. Delicious. Okay. Thank you, Morgan. Hey, Morgan, can I have that back? No, you're supposed to say no, Morgan. It's your candy bar. You get to enjoy it. It's, I gave it to you. I know, but can I have it back? No, you're not picking up on what I'm laying down here, Morgan. That's fine. When I give that to you, it's yours. You're supposed to say, no, Mark, it's my candy now, right? And and if you were wise, you would just open that up and lick it so that everyone knew it was yours, right? Like, no one can take this from me, right? That's the way an inheritance works, right? It's given. I can't take it back. I gave it. It's gone. It's yours Forever until you eat it. But um, that's the way that an inheritance is supposed to work. Um, That is a different thing entirely to hope, right? Um, Hope is a word that we use a lot in Christian circles. We, we, We use throw it around a lot hope hope using using the same principles as the candy bar the inheritance anybody in here like starbucks no yes you do. Uh, first hand up got it all right so i've got this uh 15 gift card i didn't actually check it um I, but again i bought it so um i want you to have that all right so can i have that back now because i do like coffee i'm okay with the candy bar it was 98 cents but that's yours though right okay and what was your name renee, renee? I enjoy uh, one cup of coffee that that will buy you from Starbucks. But uh, Renee received that. Um, Renee, are you are you hoping to get uh, a a Starbucks gift card anymore? No. Why would you hope for a Starbucks gift card when you're holding one in your hand? Right. Exactly. And and that's kind of um, the the dichotomy, the the, the schism that that happens there. We we don't hope for what we have. That doesn't make sense. I don't hope. for, for a gift card, uh, well, I do now because I give it away, but, but Renee do, doesn't hope for a gift card because she has it, right? Morgan doesn't hope for a candy bar because she, ha- she might hope, hope for more, uh, but, but the one you have is yours and, and you don't need to hope anymore, right? Um, we don't hope for things that we already have. We can hope for future blessing, uh, maybe in the form of coffee. We can hope for healing from sickness that we don't currently have. We can hope for eternity because we're not there yet. But we don't hope for the inheritance because we've already obtained it. So the whole point of today is for us to see that we don't need to live a life where we are hoping to start living as if we are going to be in eternity one day because we've already obtained the inheritance. It's already ours. God has already given it. He's not taking it back. It's ours. And we need to live as if that were true. Right? Um, 
Our hope is where Jesus is. Uh, pop quiz, where is Jesus? Right now, or at this very moment, where is Jesus? Okay, you said in your heart, um, a 33-year-old Jewish male living in your heart would be very uncomfortable, uh, but any, anyone else, where is Jesus right now? At the right hand of the Father. And what is he doing right now? Yeah, for the last 2,000 years interceding on your behalf to the supreme power in the universe. Um, that was something I was taught very early on that Jesus lives in your heart. I was singing in songs, and uh, as I grew and studied the Word, that was, became one of my most frustrating things. When Jesus lives in your heart. No, He doesn't. That's weird. The Holy Spirit does. And that was something I had to, because I would get really upset at first, be like, no, Jesus does live in my heart. It's in the songs, right? I sang them in, in Sunday school, and I got gum because I said that right. Um, Jesus doesn't live in your heart. He, he is actively interceding on your behalf at the right hand of God the Father, pleading for you, saying, my blood covers them. They are yours, Father. That is where Jesus is, and that is where your hope needs to be, with Jesus. Your hope, something you do not have yet, is where Jesus is. My hope is to be with him. My hope is to see that. My hope is to be in eternity with Christ forever. Because I'm not there yet. But it doesn't mean, right, this is why that obtained word is so strange and how Paul uses it because we're not there, but at the same time we've received it already. And here's where that kind of comes into making more sense, right? Sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. I love the imagery here. I, I, I really like movies, um, especially period pieces, uh, you know, ancient uh, Scotland and uh, kingdoms and that whole kind of, you know, uh, Braveheart-esque type movies and things like that. I uh, love those things. Um, and, and I love the, the, the hierarchy of the kingdoms and, and, and the way that that was all structured. And, uh, of course, it, it was way better for the kings uh, than, you know, peasants. But it, it was still fascinating to watch that. Um, and imagine for a moment that you're back in that system, right? Wherever you want to imagine yourself in the, in the hierarchy. But, uh, but you're there, there's knights and round tables and damsels in distress and kings and kingdoms. When a king or an important person was going to send some sort of notification, uh, a contract, uh, uh, hey, we're going to invade and rule you now, um, they would send a letter and the king would have a, a ring on his finger or some sort of stamp or some, some symbol. Uh, and he would pour some wax to seal the letter. And then he would put his mark on the seal. And then it would be delivered. And that was the way that they would essentially sign. This is from the king. This is an unbreakable seal, right? Like, it, it's not... Uh, going to come back against what is said in the, the letter, the contract, or, or whatever it is. It, it is official, and nothing can take that away. And I love the imagery of that when Paul says, we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit acts as that seal in your life. When you accept Christ and the Holy Spirit is given, he acts as the seal for the inheritance that God has promised you. And just like the kings have said, this is my decree and this is the way it's going to be, God is saying the same thing. I have decreed that you are mine, that I love you, that I have given my son for you and that you have accepted him. And now my promise to you is your inheritance with me forever. And to prove it, to see that it is trustworthy, something you can trust in, I give you my Holy Spirit. In those kingdom times, the, the seal, the impression of that symbol was for identification and, and a guarantee of the issuer. That last statement is really important, a guarantee of the issuer. If someone promises you something today, just out on the street, someone promises something, uh, anymore, it's hard to take people at their word. It's hard. Because we've all been uh, left hanging. We've all experienced where someone said they would do something or be somewhere or provide something and then it fell through and it didn't happen. And maybe that was you to someone else. We've all been there. Back then... If you received that decree from the king and it had his seal on it, he was held liable. Today, we kind of operate out of a different mentality. Uh, to some degree, in the back of Renee's mind, maybe, well, I don't even know if there's $15 on this card. Is it real or did he just like just pick this up at the store? I don't know. But if I put a big wax thing and put my initials on it, it still wouldn't make a difference. Now it would just be a dirty card. But it, it, back then, it would matter. And it matters that you have the Holy Spirit. It matters. God's done the same thing with us. Our inheritance is heaven being with Jesus. He sent us a letter with his seal on it. The seal is the Holy Spirit. It's like God saying, follow me. I love you. Love me. I want to give you eternity with me, but until you get here, I want to give you something that will be a constant reminder of my love, of my grace, of my mercy, of my promise. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit is for us. Have you ever experienced the Holy Spirit in any way in your life? Maybe you were walking down the street, uh, the, the hallways and your job or school, and, and you got this urge to go speak to someone. And it wasn't necessarily that you had certain words to say. It was just like, I need to, I need to say hi to them. I need to smile at them. I need, I need to do something. I have this urge that just came out of nowhere. You saw that person like, I, I'm, I need to go talk to them. Whether you actually did go talk to them or not is irrelevant. The fact that you have the urge is the important part because that means that the Holy Spirit was there working. That's what that is. The Holy Spirit works in us. He doesn't always speak for you, though that does happen. One of my favorite stories when I was in high school, I was a counselor out at the camp, and um, there was a 
big group, like 15 or 20 like inner city kids that somebody had brought out to camp, literally brought them out and dropped them off and left, which was super cool. And um, I'm glad they're there, but they didn't leave any adults with them. So uh, we, we just kind of like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of them. So I was part of the group that was kind of helping lead uh, their elementary school. And uh, I remember there was one night, and, and I, I don't even remember what, you know, the passage or the theme of the night was, but I remember they were all, you know, sitting there, and, and I remember starting to talk, and I don't remember anything else, and then I, I remember uh, being done and kind of walking off to the side and not realizing what I had said. Uh, you know, five of those kids decided to get baptized that week. And I'm not saying that was because of me. I'm saying is because the Holy Spirit decided to work and do something. And he speaks when we don't know what to say. He urges when we feel like we should stay to ourselves. He moves and causes us to do things that we wouldn't normally do ourselves. If you've ever felt anything like that, You can take confidence in knowing that that was the Holy Spirit and he's working. This next phrase, guarantee of our inheritance. You've probably figured this out, but Paul makes it clear that the Holy Spirit is our guarantee of the inheritance that God is giving us. Every time you sense the Holy Spirit in your life, Every time you have that urge, every time he speaks through you, every time you were brought into a moment of worship because the Holy Spirit prepared you for it as a reminder of God's presence, his love, and his faithfulness. Every time you hear that whisper to go share your life with someone else, every time you feel convicted during, before, after sin in your life, every time you draw closer to Jesus through worship or reading and engaging with the word or in your conversations with God. That is the Holy Spirit and it's the guarantee of what's to come. So what, right? All that, that sounds good. So what? what? What do we do with that? Because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we should be living lives committed to our inheritance. If we know that we will receive heaven, we need to live like it now. We shouldn't wait until we're out of of high school. We shouldn't wait until we're done with college, our degree. We shouldn't wait until we're settled in a job. We shouldn't wait until we're retired. We shouldn't wait until we think we are mature enough. We need to live for it now. We need to live for heaven now. Because the inheritor, God, uh, giving the inheritance has called you to it. So I, I always like to end with uh, some practical steps, right? You know, that's great. What do I do with it? Here's a couple suggestions. Live for God and not yourself. Live for God and not yourself, which sounds so nice and simple and clean, right? Well, okay, yeah, live for God and not myself. Except for when you really start doing that in your life, it's going to turn everything upside down. Because when you start seeing people in need, instead of, ah, oh, that just really, I feel so bad for them. And then going on with your day, you actually do something about it. You're not waiting for someone else to take care of widows and orphans and the oppressed. You're doing it yourself. 
Living for God, living for the kingdom, capital K, and not yourself, totally transforms the way that you live your life. It's no longer about your interests. It's no longer about your security. It's no longer about you. It's about him. So live, live for God and, and not yourself. Now, the second thing is, is living for heaven. Now. Keep your mind on where you're going. There's a lot of horrible things happening in our world today. There's a lot of horrible things that have happened in the last two weeks pretty locally. And it's easy for us to get sidetracked and, and, and succumb to fear and to not trust. It's easy when you see the, the barges, or not see the barges, for that It's easy when you see the waters rising to have fear. It's easy when the house starts shaking to have fear. And that's not a mark of your immaturity. It's a mark of your humanness, which is why God gave you the Holy Spirit. Living for heaven now means that you completely understand your inheritance, that it's eternity with Christ, but you're living for it now instead of waiting for them. It should be your motivator, right? The finish line. You can see it. You're not there yet, but you can see it. When life gets tough, when friendships fail, when relationships fail, when you feel alone and and unsupported, when it seems like it's too much, remember where you're going. This is not all there is. This is not the end. This is not the the final crescendo. This is pretty much the intermission. Heaven is where you're going. Paradise, eternity, complete oneness with the Father. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more floods, no more tornadoes, no more brokenness. No more lies. That's where you're going. And if you can live that way now, you're going to be like what Bob Goff, if you've never read any of his stuff or listened to him, I highlight him. Bob Goff says, we as Christians should be, uh, when we have interactions with the world, as if they just tasted heaven. Somebody leaves an encounter with you, an experience with you, they should leave that experience as if they just tasted heaven. Because that's what Christians should be about. So live for God and not yourself. And live for heaven now. God will redeem all things. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for your love for us, for the inheritance we have, that we have obtained from you, that we don't have to wait to live for you now. But we can have assurance through your Holy Spirit that your word is good and it is trustworthy. 
So, Father, be with us as we leave this place to be people who live out your promise, who live out our inheritance to know what is coming. Thank you, Father. That's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, This song that we're going to sing is called Living Hope. And I love the idea behind that, that that our hope is, is living, something that's within us. And you may be unfamiliar with it, it's pretty new, but it's such a 